You're listening to You Play A What, a podcast by a musician for musicians. My name is Vincent and I play the euphonium. Join me as I sit down with successful musicians to talk about their specialization, inspirations, and career developments. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 19 of You Play A What. I had just come off a lovely interview with my guest today, who is Ray. Ray is someone that I have kept in close contact since we were in school together years ago. Uh, over the years, we have had endless discussion and we geek out about music, brass playing, mouthpieces, valve oil, you name it, right? And yeah, he's also someone that I often bounces idea with and is probably one of the first few people that knew that I had an interest in starting this uh, podcast and he has been super supportive so far. So I thank him for that. And apart from this, he is also very updated with the latest tech equipments. So for someone like me who doesn't like to research on all things about tech, uh, I would just speak to him and ask him for recommendations for earpiece, phones, laptops. Uh, And most of the time, it's pretty good until you see that he has secretly upgraded to something else. And then, of course, that becomes a little bit of a suspect But in all, I had a great time, as usual, talking to him. So on this episode, Ray and I look back on his two and a half years since returning from Germany, some of his thoughts about his current scope of work, and about the local trumpet scene. So if you enjoy the content of this podcast so far, it's the usual things. A review would really go a long way and is much appreciated. Otherwise, you can subscribe or even just tell a friend about this podcast if you enjoy it. And most importantly, thank you for your support and your attention. Now, please enjoy this episode of You Play A What with Ray. today has had fireworks display as part of his birthday celebration all his life without fail. The best part is he didn't even have to pay for it because it falls on Singapore's National Day. At first glance at his name, you might be wondering if his surname is Vietnamese or maybe I'm the only weird one. So after more than 10 years, I still don't know the proper pronunciation of his surname. So this really shows what kind of friend I am. But he still agreed to come on the podcast, and I'm super grateful for that. Welcome to the show, Ray. How are you doing today? Hi, Vincent. I'm good. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. First of all, uh, have you been mistaken for other nationalities because of the spelling of your surname? 
Uh, yes, indeed. There were a couple of times where people thought I was uh, from Korea. Korea. Uh, during where <laughs> the professor has to um, list out the people that's in the order to go in for the audition. And uh, my name was pronounced as a Korean name, Ray Hyun. So the right pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <laughs> awkward, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah. So the proper, proper pronunciation is uh, Ray Chong. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just glad that I'm not imagining things because uh, at first glance, you know, when I first came across your surname, I'm like, wow, this is um, a little bit tricky. So I don't envy your students. You know, how do they address you? I'm more of like, I prefer the students to call me by my name instead of calling um, Mr. Chong because it sounds relatively old, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So more kind of like first name basis, right? Yeah, a bit more casual, I feel. Actually, I, I do the same as well. But, yeah, yeah. but then again, it's a lot easier for my students, even if they are not comfortable calling me by my uh, first name, they would call me like Mr. Tan, which is yeah. far easier than, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, than, than what you have, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, right now, as we speak, it is around 4 p.m. So this is the Singapore Freelancers prime time, right? Uh, most, yeah, most of the time uh, when we are working, this is the time that uh, we are most active. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so most of our work usually happens between this sort of like 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. window. And on the occasional off day that we get, this then becomes either valuable practice time uh, or for increased productivity, uh, maybe some afternoon nap. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do really appreciate you taking time out uh, to speak to yeah. me today. Yeah. So uh, let's get to the most important question, right? Uh, what do you have for lunch today? <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's a good question. Right? <laughs> I didn't have lunch today. I you just did? had a relatively late breakfast. Right. So uh, uh, the more important question, of course, is like, what do you play, right? But I had to get this out of the way because, you know, I've met you recently, but those of you who have been looking at pictures would also realize that over the last couple of months, you've lost a fair bit of weight. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it might be a good chance for us to get some tips from you. But I think we'll save that for another episode. Yeah. 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 So tell us then, uh, what do you play? So I play the trumpet. Uh, yeah, so I basically <laughs> just play the trumpet. Yeah, so uh, what is in uh, your arsenal at the moment? You know, how many trumpets do you have? What key? Uh, what different sort of valve uh, system and all that kind of stuff? Right. Um, I'm losing a bit of um, idea of how many trumpets I have in currently. But yeah. uh, let me just name it one by one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a B flat uh, trumpet that uh, a piston B flat trumpet that we always use for the usual rehearsals and orchestras in, in Singapore. I have a C piston. Um, I have a cornet. I have a piccolo trumpet. Um, a fugal horn. Um, rotary trumpet, and one more additional B flat piston trumpet for lighter music. Yeah. Nice. So much that add up too. <laughs> okay, so yeah, how one rotary trumpet or two rotary trumpet? Uh, just one. I got the B flat only. Ah, okay. So yeah, puts your collection at uh seven. Not too bad. Yeah. I guess you know it's a it's a kind of deception, right? So in terms of like playing the euphonium, one instrument costs me a lot of money, but I just get one. 
But in terms of the trumpet, there is, the, of course, the, the price is a little bit lower. And then you have to buy like a whole variety and a whole sort of like, yeah, unlimited amounts of trumpet, right? And you've not even gotten into like the E-flat trumpets and the slightly less conventional ones. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, great stuff. And uh, of course, most trumpeters would have absolutely no issues talking about themselves. <laughs> yeah and i i think uh perhaps you fall into the minority of this uh generalization uh yeah, yeah the, the well-known joke amongst musicians about trumpeters is that they take enjoyment and pride in being under the limelight uh sometimes perhaps a little bit too much uh <laughs> and that's where the terms like the trumpeters ego or in fact for a layperson blowing your own trumpet uh, originated from so yeah i mean uh th- there are many jokes that revolves around instruments right so other jokes about instrument stereotypes are for example euphonium basically means unemployable <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so yeah it's funny because it's true right yeah well, but yeah let's not dwell on that so much right so let's move on very quickly uh, from this slightly depressing topic <laughs> so uh you've been back uh, to singapore yeah for about Two and a half years now. Yeah, that's right. And uh, how have things been for you so far? Um, initially, w- was a little bit tough because uh, I came in, I came back about end of March, start of April, where work has just uh, started, as in people have um, already settled all their tutors and stuff. Mm. Um, so it was kind of tough for me to find work at that period. Um, but in terms of uh, settling back into Singapore, that was uh, a breeze for me because after all, Singapore is our home. It's easy to just adjust back apart from the weather, I must say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the weather does make, for example, walking from place to place a lot more difficult, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think mm-hmm. that since coming back, I mean, work stuff aside, right? In terms of how we got around when we were living abroad, Versus when we were in Singapore, uh, 15 minutes walking overseas, I would do it, you know, with, with no problems at all. 15 minutes of walking in Singapore could be extremely uncomfortable. And yeah, 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 yeah it's just, you know, you'd rather like take a bus, even if it's for like two stops or, exactly. like, or like three MRT stops or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I mean, good to hear that things has been all right for you since returning back to Singapore. Those of you who have kept uh, updated or uh, up to date with some of the things that you've been doing know that you've been doing quite a number of things. Uh, but I want to uh, speak a little bit more about uh, this Christmas right before you came back to Singapore. So this should be around like December of 2017 where yeah. uh, you and I and a couple of our friends took a holiday in Germany. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, this was holiday for me because I was essentially, I'm traveling to another country. But for you, maybe not so much because you are still sort of like in the same country. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, so we spent the, the Christmas holidays together and we caught up with each other in uh, Nuremberg. And uh, we stayed at Clement Lim's apartment, which is a mutual friend of ours. So shout out to Clement. He's very kind. Uh, although he was not in Nuremberg at that point of time, he opened up his apartment for us to stay in. 
Uh, hopefully the the landlord is not listening to <laughs> this podcast. If not, I might get him into a little bit of trouble. Yeah, so uh, Clement is, of course, uh, a friend of ours, also uh, in school at the same time with the both of us at uh, the Nanyang Academy of Fine Arts. He's a flute player, so I believe currently still living in Germany. Yeah, he's finishing up his stud- studies, I guess. Yeah, yeah. so I uh, might be making his return pretty soon as yeah. well. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, really, really exciting. You know, if we recount back to uh, Nuremberg, of course, I wanted to go there because of the Christmas market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is the the original Christmas market uh, in Europe. And then basically the rest of the other countries just copied this same idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Any sort of highlights for you? Any things that you remembered from our time in Nuremberg? Definitely. Um, I would say the trip, to the museums were kind of nice mm. so you get to understand more about the history of um, Germany yeah um, not forgetting to try the um, how do you call it um, the sausages yeah, I the, forgot the, the Nuremberger Nuremberger yeah, yeah. bratwurst right yeah yeah, yeah those yeah. were nice I feel yeah, um, yeah. and also uh, the second half of the trip where we uh, shift to Berlin mm. um and that was the time where I first uh, watched Berlin Fuel live. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, was that your first time watching Berlin Fuel yeah. live? Definitely. That was my first time live watching the orchestra. Ah, okay. Okay. It's like a tick off the checklist for me. I see. I see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, in Nuremberg, the museums are really amazing because it is, uh, uh, it's very rich in the history of uh, World War Two, isn't it? Of course, we know that, uh, Germany is also uh, has a, a big part to play in the history of World War Two. So a lot of the the things were documented in uh, Nuremberg, including the the Nuremberg trials. Uh, so we visited the courtrooms, we visited the rally grounds uh, in World War Two. So yeah, really really interesting, and uh, definitely I think if you are in the area, uh, of course we can't be now because there's no traveling. But we've ever yeah if you're ever in like. Uh, Nuremberg or is that the, the sort of southern part of Germany definitely pay Nuremberg a visit uh, yeah and of course uh, like you said we move on to and we went to Berlin a few days later and it's a given right when you go to Berlin you have to go and see the Berlin Field play apart from that we caught an opera as well yeah we yeah. did yeah and so this is Deutsche Oper if, if I'm not wrong Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this uh, beautiful production of uh, La Boheme. And of course, uh, Deutsche Oper is probably the, the national uh, opera company, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, as you can imagine, the uh, set was really beautiful. And of course, the cast and the music was all uh, super duper. So that was a, yeah, I mean, I just wish that we had planned this sort of trips more. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, a couple of Christmas before that as well uh, and not leave it to like uh, my last one and your last one. You can look back very fondly, especially now where there's no traveling to, to these really good memories. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about some of the work that you have been doing. Of course, there's one that is uh, upcoming, which is um, this digital concert that you are involved in with the... Wind Band Association of Singapore, also known as WeBus. Uh, so, of course, there's a number of familiar faces in this project. And uh, what is this project all about and how are you involved in this project? 
Yeah, so um, basically this project is a series of uh, four chamber ensemble reciter showcasing um, local musicians mm. performing like a mixture of works, um, including like um, standard marches. Um, you can hear local works by local composers and also to try to encourage um, people to form their chamber group or to play more chamber music in this um, situation as we can um, play in large ensembles such as bands or orchestras. Yeah. And of course, uh, recently there is this uh, um, sort of uh, new uh, regulation whereby we are allowed to do some kind of uh, face-to-face teaching for wind and brass players for up to five students, right? So definitely, yeah. I think this is a, a good initiative to take this opportunity to introduce chamber music to uh, school students. Of course, uh, you and I, we both know that chamber music is uh, such an important part in a musician's development. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, so you really learned to own your own part, to prepare your own part, because if it's not there, it's not there, isn't it? There's no section leader to bail you out or, or things like that. Exactly. When is this project due? Do you know? We are doing the recording next week. I'm not too sure when will the Brass Quintet concert be, because I'm only involved in the um, Brass Quintet and mm. there are several other ensembles, such as the uh, Wind Quartet, Percussion Ensemble and a Flexi Band. So I'm not too sure when exactly they will slot the brass quintet. I so, see. I see. So around sometime between um October to December. Yeah. Every two weeks, I, I believe. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean we're definitely uh looking forward to that. The links of these projects will be provided in the uh, show description in case anybody wants to check it out. Of course, maybe at the point of releasing this episode, the project might not be completed yet, but um we will just have some links perhaps to their Facebook page. So for you to check it out. Okay, so the, the next thing that uh, uh, you, you've sort of been heavily involved in, uh, of course, on that promotional material posted by WeBuzz, you are featured in the same picture along with Kenneth, uh, someone that you have been working uh, very closely with since, your, uh, since uh, your return to Singapore. So from about a year ago, both of you, along with uh, Eric and Wenrong, formed the Pinnacle Trumpet Ensemble, in short, TPT Ensemble. Um, And I believe now the group uh, has grown and you're also running the Trumpet Studio together as a quartet. So uh, what are some of the work that you guys do at the studio? And uh, do you each have a specific role? Yeah, so basically the Trumpet Studio or the TPT Ensemble, we offer studio classes where um, students can join and expect to play in a trumpet ensemble. Um, also, we do organize um, studio classes where the students can be featured or they can perform the solo works that they are currently preparing, be it for their ABRSM or for their A-level musics or whichever. So mm. um, there will be a weekly um, lesson that we offer. Sadly, uh, we can't commence the studio class because currently because of the pandemic we can't do it and due to the distancing restrictions yeah yeah and apart from that um we all have our roles in the ensemble uh for me uh, I'm, I'm a librarian for the uh, so i do with the scores and stuff purchasing and 
sourcing out for music um, for events or for like the trumpet day that we did uh, last year with the uh, organized by the SNYO. Right. Yeah, that was um, one of the highlights for the ensemble as well. Mm. Yeah, and we are looking forward to do more projects um, in the near future when um, things are getting better. Mm. Nice. And of course, uh, now that you uh, mentioned that you're the librarian, was that the reason why now you're also wearing glasses? <laughs> <laughs> I think that like, due to the fact that I'm watching too much TV or on my phone the entire time. <laughs> uh, uh, not, not that you're reading a little bit too, uh, too much scores and too many books now. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um right. So you know, in terms of uh, a studio like what you guys are doing, uh, what do you think are the things that you guys offer that is different from say a tutorship session in a secondary school? In a tutorship a session in a school, usually um it's hired by the school and you have one tutor only. So mm. the studio the trumpet studio can offer four teachers and more opinions, are, I guess, in that sense. Mm. And it's often nice to have young students to source out for different methods and see which uh, fits for them. I think this is one of the things that we can offer as um, the studio or as the ensemble. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess uh, to a certain extent, we can also say that it is also a bringing together of like-minded students, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, apart from students having uh, like fantastic advice from the four of you, what they do is they can interact with uh, some of their peers who shares the same kind of interest or the same level of interest in trumpet playing as them. Because sometimes in secondary school, not everybody is um, very excited about playing the instrument, right? So, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we've both been through the band system. So there are people who treat band as a CCA and there's absolutely, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because it is, uh, that is what it is. But there are, of course, some others that are much more uh, keen and interested and want to learn a little bit more about the instrument. And I think bringing together also like-minded peers and for them to get to know each other because eventually, even if they don't turn... A professional, if they continue to be very passionate hobbyists or amateur players, then we are now having like a good pool of uh, musicians just in the country, isn't it? Which is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We also encourage the younger ones to spur themselves up and just to um, improve their general playing. Mm. Also. Yeah, definitely. So... Great stuff. I think, um, yeah, I mean, the, the things that you've been doing, I think it's quite exciting and it's um, part of making a difference and adding value to the current music scene, which I think it's fantastic and there's a lot of meaning in the work. So uh, we are now talk about when we first met. <laughs> so what yeah. is your recollection of this? Interestingly, we spoke about this, um, or rather you gave me a clue of when this uh, occurred. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just we, recently, we, right? <laughs> and then we, we first met at um, Potom Passe CC, yeah. where we were all involved in a concert by Just Brass. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back then, we, didn't, we did not know each other. Mm. Um, and I guess you were um, fresh grad from um, secondary school. 
Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then we, and I believe after after that we started to talk to each other more. Um, after you entered Nafa. Yeah. Yeah. Then things start to roll from there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I completely agree with you. That is also my recollection. Of course, the uh, at that point of time when you joined the or you, when you were coming in to uh, play for the concert. The group has existed for about two years already or two to three years. Okay. Yeah. So initially we were just, we were without conductor. And then after that, we got, of course, uh, Richard Adams at that point of time, the head of music of NAFA to come and conduct the ensemble. Mm -hmm. So uh, of course, with his inclusion, then he brought some NAFA students along yeah, so it was sort of like uh, an ensemble size that was larger than 10, but yeah. smaller than a brass band kind of thing. So yeah, it was, uh, but, but definitely it was cool just to meet uh, everyone uh, over there. So there was yourself, I think there was Sean as well. Um, Andy. Yeah, Andy. Yeah. And then, yeah, so after that, I enrolled into NAFA. And then, of course, we were one year apart uh, at yeah. NAFA. And then, yeah, and the rest is history, isn't it? We've known each other <laughs> since then. Yep. Yeah. We've been rather updated with each other's life, I guess, to a certain yep. extent. Yeah which, is a, yeah, which is a nice thing. So, cool. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add about yeah. our meetings? Not forgetting the tea and coffee sessions that we had at the legendary Feng Sing. <laughs> oh. <beside. laughs> yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether if we spend more time there or we spend more time in a practice room. So, um, <laughs> probably at the notorious gaming session that we were totally not guilty about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So it, it was a split between like having your uh, afternoon tea versus uh, <laughs> spending time in the computer lab versus practice room. So yeah. So yeah, perhaps it might be that level of importance as well when you're <laughs> studying. <laughs> yeah. But of course, those are not good examples and you should not follow it. So yeah, please spend your time to practice. Yeah, it's very important. It's good for you. It's like taking your vitamins every day, right? Yeah, uh, not to follow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. So now bring us back to how uh, you started with music and how it has grown since the point of you starting uh, your first interaction with music? Mm, I guess the everyone's first interaction with music or the majority of people would be the um, music lessons where we played recorder. Mm. Um, of course, for myself, if you're talking about playing the trumpet, I start off playing the trumpet and in sec one, like probably most of the people, um, yeah, so during um, SEC 1, I was given the form to choose my CCA and I wasn't sure what to do. So I gave it, I gave the form to my mom and she just chose Ben as the first choice. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. So that, that <laughs> yeah, that choice was not made by you? Yeah, it was made by my mom. Yeah, and then she went on to regret her decision after that, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, she chose Ben for you and then... Yeah. You got in, I presume? Yep. So during site one, uh, after entering band, I, was, I wasn't I was so into about band practice. I was like the typical kid that you mentioned just now. 
um, to attend CCA when required because um, in my school, Singing Secondary School, mm. um, there's a hall of fame where if you skip CCA, uh, you will be highlighted um, at the start of my, the week on a Monday assembly where you'll be caught up in front of the school. And that oh. was embarrassing. So um, that was my goal not to be in front. So I would just attend the practices when required. If I not, see. Okay. Yeah, if not, usually you will find me after school at the nearby comic store playing card games. Ah, uh, of course. Yeah. The good old times. Exactly. Yeah. Moving on, then I went to set two, started to mix around more with my seniors in band. And they were a bunch of people who kind of enjoy band practices a lot. And I mean, of course, they enjoy the company of each other also. Mm. Um, after mixing with them, I kind of slowly enjoy band practices more and that made me stay back more often after school to just practice. I wouldn't say it's exactly practicing like um, what we do in music school, but it's just to play your instrument a little bit and so to hang out around in the band room. Mm. Then um, the desire to play better um, kick in slightly later uh, where I try to play catch-up games with my section mate uh, or even my seniors um, who uh, are our mutual friend, uh, Han Yong and Su Ting. Right, okay. So most of the seniors or my section mate actually had prior playing experience from their primary school. I see. Yeah, so um, that's that. then I went on to set three. Uh, one fun fact about me, or I don't know, how how will, how will you call it? Um, up to sec three, uh, honestly, I didn't know how to read music uh, or to di- dissect the rhythm. I don't even know what subdivisions. I have just been learning music um, by year or just copying what my peers are doing. So, um, uh, okay. yeah, when I was sec three, then uh, we had a change of conductor. That's when mm. Mr. Bertan came in to, uh, as our director mm-hmm. and basically rebuilt the band's fundamental. And right. I really remember being singer out during a band camp to clap a simple rhythm for one of the works that we are working on. And of course, like I said just now, I couldn't do it because I have no idea what's the rhythm and the, the music. So as a secretary, that was actually kind of embarrassing, isn't it? Mm. Um, because it's such a simple rhythm. It's just a dotted a crotchet or quavers. And I couldn't uh, do it well. Okay. So uh, thanks to Mr. Tan, I quickly learned how to read and subdivide properly. Right. And I was able to play most of the stuff that was given to me back in um, secondary school. I see. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad there's no any uh, post-traumatic uh, oh. <laughs> experiences, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it's interesting, right? I think what, what you said, a lot of it can be... It, it happens more often than not. I think a lot of people can relate to this. Uh, I, for one, was like that. Um, in primary school especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I went into secondary school basically not knowing how to decipher rhythm. Yeah, yeah. but I by quickly, of course, had to force myself to learn, right? Uh, mm. Yeah, so it's a... Yeah, so th- this is interesting. It's a little bit like being in a choir and then you <laughs> don't really know the pitch and every time yeah. you're just singing that smidge later than the person beside you. So Trying that to you- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so you try to like get the get the pitch or you try to get the rhythms and and whatnot right exactly you've acquired some uh rhythmic knowledge what's next yeah. 
from from then on, um, things start to get better. And um, of course, uh, I wasn't the brightest kid in school, so studying wasn't my thing. But uh, I could I would say one of the better things that I could do in school was to play the trumpet. Mm. So remember one of the funny things that I did to impress a girl back then uh, was to pick a very long solo from one of the pieces that will be featured at our annual concert held at the old Victoria Concert Hall. Right. And yeah, because um, the school emphasized a lot on aesthetic groups or like, yeah, aesthetic groups. So mm. going on to uh, going towards uh, performing arts concert seems to be one of the events that students look forward to. So basically, uh-huh. take this chance to show off your, your skill yeah. to that school. Yeah, mm. exactly. So um, all in all, basically, uh, in secondary school, I had a very fun time in the band. Yeah. Which I like to thank um, Mr. Brando Tan for the fantastic band program that he planned for us. Mm. And through that, through the CCA, I also made lifelong friends in which uh, I still maintain um, frequent contact with. And that's something I find um, very, very uh, valuable. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I think definitely we spend a lot of time, much more time with our bandmates than our classmates, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's a good point, you know, uh, what you said about uh, performing uh, a trumpet solo for, you know, someone that you have a uh, slight interest in, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is the whole point of learning an instrument, isn't it? If not, why is the point? <laughs> right? If it's not to uh, have the ability to charm some girls, then yeah, why are we doing what we are doing? Right? <laughs> yeah. Except then when we enter music school where the girls also play an instrument, then what we do becomes less special and then we're like, hmm, okay, so maybe this doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> right? Or in fact, sometimes they play better than us. Then we're like, okay. mm. <laughs> It seems to be worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. So now, yeah. uh, post-secondary school. So, yeah. From there, um, I developed an interest in learning the trumpet and also more about music. So, However, I didn't um, exactly go straight to NAFA. Instead, mm. I was enrolled into a poly, uh, into a, a gaming course, I would say. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, of, of course, this gaming course, not to be misinformed, right? Uh, esports yeah. was not a thing back exactly. then, right? So it's not a, a course whereby you play games, but it's more sort of like game designs, isn't it? Programming, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So um, I it took me about two to three months before I decided I should uh, just um, try to um, go to NAFA to pursue my music um, studies. Mm. So um, what I did was to, before I withdraw, withdrew from the course, I wrote an email to the head of music back then, who was Mr. Richard Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, it's still possible to submit an application to the entrance ed- uh, exam. So Mr. Adams was very kind enough to organize a meetup where I would play for him. And then he decides whether or not I'm up for the audition. And thankfully, things uh, went pretty well. Right. I'm to go through the, get through the audition. Then I started my education formally uh, pro- at uh, Nanyang Academy of Fine Arts. What was it about the the gaming course or the programming course that didn't quite strike a chord with you? 
Yeah, I would say probably the the people that I mix around with uh, aren't the most interesting people, and it's, it's the vibes that I I get is just so different from um secondary school where there's a sense of belonging. So for Polly, it's just more of going towards the course, going to your lessons or lecture, and just go home straight after. There's no interaction, no there's no bonding. There's that's that's one of mm. the thing. And right. also the topics weren't um, my interests, so those factors contribute to this. Yeah, I see. Yeah, and were in secondary school were you? Uh, I guess you were hanging out with like your band friends quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Then do you feel like there was this kind of disconnect in uh, the general interests of everyone that made it difficult for people to bond? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so everyone's kind of interested in different things, right? And yeah. probably the thing they're interested in in a yeah. gaming or programming course is not uh, wind band music or yeah. <laughs> or brass instruments, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So definitely, it would be uh, a little bit of a, a cultural shock when yeah. we move on to a new school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how was your your time in Nafa then? Yeah. Um. During my three years in Nafa. Generally, um, quite okay with the progress. Uh, I was under the tutelage of uh, Mr. David Smith, mm-hmm. who is the associate principal trumpet at the Singapore Symphony. Yep. And um, when I entered NAFA, I realized that being in a music school means the pace of practicing is way faster as compared uh, to being in a school band where we take weeks or months to prepare a piece. Also, yeah. um, we have the pieces given to us are of a much higher standards and the difficulty is uh, really tough. Like the etudes or concerto, we have to prepare in like one or two weeks' time. Yep. In Nafao, I had the chance to meet lots of like-minded people or mm. other we call music geeks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, we discussed and talked about trumpet all day and that kind of gradually led me to know more about um the different artists or trumpet artists. Mm. Yeah. So that kind of helped to build up the knowledge and also um set a goal to where I want to head towards too. Mm. Yeah. And where was that place that you wanted to head towards to during that time? Yeah. Um Back then, uh, in my uh, second year in the academy, mm-hmm. I chanced upon this video. It's a short clip of um, Concert Attitude played by um, Matthias Ruf, who is ah. the lead trumpet player for German Brass. Yep. So after listening to that recording, it uh, really blew me off. So I was like asking myself, oh dear, how can someone sound so elegant and mm. easy, the ease of playing? And yep. needless to say, I did more research about him, then realized that he plays with the German brass, teachers in Germany, and uh, I managed to find a couple of recordings of him. Mm. Uh, also managed to land uh, my hands on a, a DVD played by German brass uh, of uh, Fu Bach um, concert. Mm. Yeah. yeah, which is their signature, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And at the same time, I was also preparing for the concerto competition in NAFA. Mm-hmm. And back then, I chose the Haydn Concerto to be the piece that I'm going to present in the competition. Mm. Of course, and- right? What else? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. And uh, back then, um, my teacher, David Smith, passed me a recording of the concerto played on the key trumpet, which is the original instrument uh, written for the piece and was uh, performed by Reinhold Friedrich, a well-sought-after uh, solist from Germany. Yep. And after listening to these two artists, uh, I took a liking to the German way of playing and the sound concept. And yep. that led me to think of studying in Germany after I'm done with my um, studies in NAFA and also mm-hmm. National Service. Yeah. 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 Of course, that, that all worked out pretty well for you, I guess. Right, eventually you managed to spend uh, four years in Germany, but yeah. uh, but I will not get a hit of you and ourselves. So I'll let you continue with the story. So yeah, and then post graduation from NAFA. Yeah, um, yeah. post graduation from NAFA, I was um, lucky enough uh, after my BMT uh, to be posted to the Singapore Armed Forces Band, where I spent um, almost one and a half, uh, more than one and a half years there. Mm. Uh, yeah. So at the same time, uh, I was looking up on the internet to find out more about studying in Germany. Yeah. Um. The to to get to um know more about the teachers that are around. Um. Also to source out for recordings for their playing, and at the same time also, <laughs> uh, studying the German language. Mm. So lucky enough, uh. After all this research, I finally managed to get a place at the University of Music in Detmold, in Germany, studying with my professor, um, Klaus Brecker. Mm-hmm. Then things start to get more exciting from there. Yeah, yeah. right. So uh, tell us now, uh, which, uh, where is Detmold in terms of like the, the geography of Germany? Detmold is in the northwest of um, Germany, slightly, I would say two hours away, um, below Hanover. Um, mm-hmm. It's in a state called the North Rhine-Westfalen. Okay. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a very it's, it's a very small town actually, with mm. a total of I think seventy over thousand people living. It's it's kind of like a retired place. Uh. Because all, all I see most most of the times are um, old uncles, aunties, or <laughs> grandpa, grandma walking on the street, enjoying yeah. the time of their life. I yeah. see. Yeah. And then there's like you, young punks, ruining <laughs> their peace and quiet, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, okay. Now let's talk a little bit more in depth about your, your time in Germany and uh, with your own personal experience. Right. What do you think are the pros and cons in the curriculum of a German conservatory? I think one of the pros is that um, the fact that Germany does uh, kind of offer free education, or at least during my time in Germany, I didn't pay any school fees. Mm. So apart from the wonderful faculty, uh, this fact has also attracted a lot of people to head over to pursue their studies. And because of this, I'm glad that uh, my studio consisted of many international students. And mm. of course, this allows us to learn more about each uh, other's music culture and how people from different countries perceive music and what's good or what's bad to them. Right. Yeah. The uni also 
kind of offers many health courses as electives that helps to provide care for musicians' career, such as um, Alexander Technique, Ferdinand mm. Christ, yeah. or even um, like causes that help you to manage your anxiety or um, stage presence. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like a holistic education in a sense. They only, yeah. Yeah, they, they not only take care of your playing side, but also cover the mental and physical aspects mm. of the uh, students. Yeah. Which is of course very important, right? We start yeah. to we start to realize that um we are also quite susceptible to playing injuries yeah. if we are not yeah. careful, right? I guess uh studying in Germany also means that we get access to um teachers who are fantastic players on the period instruments as well. Mm. Which for me is the Baroque trumpet. Um, I wouldn't exactly say that I minor in the Baroque trumpet, but um, I was offered a couple of lessons per semester. And um, to finish up the semester learning, we also have a studio performance with just Baroque trumpet. Mm. And yeah, so during the concert, we will get chances to play with uh, the cembalo, um, the Baroque timpani, and, or even singers to bring a range of like, different pieces from the uh, Baroque era. Mm. where the audience can get to hear the original sound um, in which the composer had in mind when he was writing these um, compositions. Yeah, of course, this is even more popular when it comes Christmas season, right? Definitely. All your, yeah, all your masks and passions and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. it becomes even uh, uh, sort of like peak season for uh, <laughs> period instruments and trumpets yeah. Yeah, in particular. Do you think that Music schools in general right now uh, has prepared you or other students adequately to enter the workforce. Of course, for us, it's a little bit challenging, right? Because we, we had our education uh, away from Singapore. So a lot of the, the things like networking and things like that um, could not be done when we are away, right? We have to come back here and, and do all that kind of stuff. But apart yeah. from that, do you think that, you know, um, music school is uh, doing enough to prepare students for uh, entering the workforce? I would say yes and no. Yes, um, in terms of getting yourself prepared for a gig or a performances, I do think that the music school has prepared us well in that sense. Um, mm. However, I feel that um, I'm speaking from the perspective of um, studying in Germany. So yep. in Germany, um, the, the government values art and music a lot and mm. uh, like funding the orchestras um, heavily. Right. And because of this, there are a lot of professional orchestras set up in the country and that leads to um, most students um, wanting to secure a job and that is their main goal. And mm. I do hope that the school, the schools can include or offer courses that can kind of prepare us to be able to find work apart from the, the usual playing and teaching route, like how we can uh, create platforms or how we can form a group, how to run it, maintain, and to find opportunities for the group. Mm. Or like 
or even causes something that is more in context with the current situation to learn how to make use of uh, social media to promote and probably make a living out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, this is always a struggle, isn't it? Like, uh, what the music school v- does very well is to train us to play as accurately as pl- uh, possible. Yeah. Right? So we, we learn the, all the good stuff, the, the performance, uh, the note reading, the understanding of the music and to play it as closely and as accurately as possible. But when it comes to life after um, <laughs> uh, graduation, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we are at a loss because... What, what skill sets have we acquired that would put us in a position whereby we can get our work out there? Not a lot, actually, you know, yeah. if you think about that. But yeah, I absolutely agree with what you say. Uh, but, you know, uh, part of it is, of course, uh, we hope that the schools can offer this um, sort of like, say, modules or opportunities for uh, students. But part of it is also the students just doing something, right? Sometimes if there's no opportunities, you just got to do it and then see what comes out of it. You can be, you don't even have to be good at it, you know. It doesn't, and most likely it's not going to succeed the first time around, so, but it's okay, right? You just kind of do it and then you learn from the experience so that the next time you do it, you become a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just this kind of like constant... Um, Trial and error. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so now, what is your, your current take on the the sort of trumpet scene in Singapore because, you know, a trumpet has remained one of the instruments that is still constantly generating good number of um, uh, trained musicians, right? Mm-hmm. So we still have a decent number of students at the uh, at NAFA. We have a decent number of students perhaps at the Yong Shudo Conservatory as well. Uh, perhaps not all of them are, are intent to stay in Singapore, after they graduate, but yeah, so it is start starting to sort of become a little bit saturated from at least from where I'm seeing it. You might not feel the same way. So, uh, how do you feel about this? And um, you know, uh, do you have any advice for uh, these trumpet players that are eventually going to come out and start uh, finding work for themselves? Yeah, I I guess um, students have to kind of keep, keep an open mind in that sense where um, it's not necessary that um, you can only find jobs through the conventional way. Um, like I mentioned just now, you, one could um, kind of um, find ways or think of uh, methods out of the box to help to find jobs, I don't know, by probably bringing something different um, apart from the uh, usual um, orchestra or um, jazz or whatever, um, they bring out something new to help to create new routes or options for themselves. I think that's yeah. one of the things that they can look to work towards too. Mm. Um, as for advice, I'm not too sure what I can offer currently. Mm. Uh, in terms of uh, playing, probably, I think... For the younger musicians or those who are entering uh, or are currently studying in a music academy or conservatory, it would, like I said just now, it would be good to keep an open mind, talk to people more about their experiences and always be curious about things 
be it uh, is it on um regarding the your playing or um your goals or your life yeah mm. a lot of times including myself i'm very guilty about that also we are so into practicing um the instruments and we are always locked in the practice room and improving on our own craft and i think this is not enough and it's always um a win-win situation where you go out and talk to people learn from their experiences gaining more perspective would definitely help to think uh, more for yourself and in return explore and understand more yeah mm. yeah definitely i think yeah this is all really good advice i think yeah it's easy to get trapped in this sort of um endless cycle of just i need to pra- practice and you get better and of course i i do agree that to a certain extent we have to put in the, the hours of work and the time um but also we need to find a balance and we can't just be constantly uh be overly um uh, obsessed with spending time with the instrument that we forget about personal relationships music. and all, all these other things right guess after all music is um very strongly uh, linked to our daily lives and that's mm. where people get inspiration for their music as well yeah definitely so okay uh let me just ask you okay so in in terms of this right let's go back to uh, i remember very clearly how uh <laughs> when i was given the first uh, opportunity to do some teaching in a secondary school uh i remember that very very clearly and very fondly and uh Can you bring us back to the earlier days where you were when you just started to receive this sort of like opportunities and work? How did you treat them, and how? Uh, what What do you think are some of the important things that uh, would let the uh, hire or the employer continue to ask you back to do the job? I think uh, first of all, the the most basic thing is to turn up. On time and be prepared. That's the most um basic stuff that is required. Um, mm. need for any jobs in the society. Mm. Um, apart from that, I do think that um teachers has has to be teachers have to be um relatively versatile in the sense, um how they execute their teaching or how they speak or how they just um transmit the message across to their students. Because mm. uh, a lot of times, from my experience, um, a teacher or a teacher will just presume that one method will fix this uh problem. Like for example, method A will solve um problem A, and yeah. I have met teachers that strongly insist on um this this point, mm. and um it's actually rather frustrating when this supposed methods should help the students to solve their issue, and You 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 will see the students um trying trying and struggling and it just doesn't work, and I yeah. think most importantly is that the teachers or the educators themselves have to understand that one size doesn't fit all, mm. and have to constantly find ways and methods because to uh, yeah ways and methods to help the students because uh at times it's also the way that we um just like what I said just now. Transmit the message, or phrase it, or even words that we use. These are, this can affect a lot. 
on the students as well. Yep, definitely. And I think you you made some very, very good points and it completely resonates with me how, like you said, one size really doesn't fit all. And we have to assess each of the students' uh, strengths and weaknesses and cater teaching to each of the dif- students differently. And we can't just have one generic method that you expect to work, right? Um, of course, we, we know that there are teachers who would offer you method A and it's either method A breaks you or it helps you. And if yeah. method A breaks you, means you're not cut out for it next. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah, we, we all wish that life was so simple, isn't it? It's either, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not black and white, you know? Sometimes it's, yeah. And yeah, it gets a little bit, um, yeah, it takes a toll on, on the the mental health of the student, I think, when you keep sort of like pushing them this one direction that is not working. Exactly. And, yeah, and especially if the student don't see the light, right? They they kind of take what you say for, for real and then yep. that, that can become pretty uh, detrimental to their playing. Yeah. And it's very sad because after this happens and when you first take over the students or when you first start to teach the students, they are so passionate, they are so um, eager to learn and once they try out these um, methods given to them and it doesn't work, it kind of um, discourages them a lot. And um, it's very sad to see them just stop and give up on music in that sense. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and you know, it's to, to a certain extent, okay, if you are the teacher and you have told this student to, to let's say, practice something and do this exercise, okay, if they come back for three consecutive weeks and they sound exactly the same or maybe sometimes they sound like they are struggling even more than before. Right. Uh, it's only normal that the teacher would also lose patience with the student. Right. Yeah. There's, there will be a sense of frustration and I do understand that because you feel like is the student just not practicing or like what is going on? How come this is not working or is the student not talented or, and, and you know. Um, yeah. So, uh. At the point where you lose patience, sometimes then you can you snap at a student and then I think that's where sometimes the, the real damage gets done, right? And that's where the students start to perhaps, you know, lose interest and stuff like that. And I, I'm also not saying this like I'm, I'm using students now. I'm, I, I'm talking about, you know, uh, university students. I'm not talking about like secondary school students, right. you know, yeah. People who are really serious about this, people who are pursuing this properly, uh, studying, uh, doing a degree on this, yeah, sometimes, or a diploma, sometimes this can be, yeah, quite difficult. Yeah. 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 So uh, actually, this also brings us to uh, quite uh, nicely to the next point, which is we all know that growing up in Singapore as a brass player, because of how we sort of are self-thought for this first very important first part of our development, we end up having a lot of unorthodox uh, playing methods. <laughs> yeah. Or some would say uh, bad habits. You know, uh, of course, having studied at NAFA, having went overseas, we have to troubleshoot all these issues. Of course, yeah. with the supervision from our teachers, it's a lot easier. And of course, this continuous sort of trial and error. Yeah. Uh, do you think that uh, Singaporean brass players or brass teachers 
who has been through the WinBand system understand these issues that our local music students are facing and we can uh, sort of help them troubleshoot these issues? Definitely, the, the teachers can help to a certain extent. Um, however, going back to the point that I mentioned just now, I do feel that um, the teacher should have um, quite a range of tools to help the students and be flexible. And if not, mm. you might be uh, creating more problems for the students instead of uh, helping them in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but for me, initially, I, I, as teachers as well, like you and I, we've been doing this for now a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, there's also a growth in the way we teach, right? We also become uh, slightly different teachers with exactly. our different influences. Because I remember like when I first started, I teach like my teacher. Like literally what my teacher says to me, I say to my students. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, because this is the only sort of um, knowledge that I have. And, you know, the the only way I know how to teach is, yeah, yeah through this, right? And yeah, yeah so... And of course, now, um, I think that the real value in teaching or that you can provide to a student is where you sort of figure things out for yourself. Yeah. Right? The moment you start to work out that, oh, okay, actually, this is what I have to do. And this is what I have done to achieve certain things or to solve certain problems. That is where we can, I think, truly start to add value to a student's life. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like they're indirectly having a lesson with my teacher. <laughs> you know I mean of course it's not the same you know I don't play like you know half as well as them but yeah whatever they might say I would say <laughs> yeah so definitely it's been sort of a, a very interesting uh, kind of um, a journey for yeah. for us right as teachers as well and of course you know time is flying by but yeah. uh, before we end off I, I think you know this term, uh, musical excellence, perhaps is something that we uh, try to hold very dear to our heart, right? As best as possible. Whenever mm -hmm. we play, we strive towards this sort of uh, level of excellence. And uh, of course, uh, in younger days, we think of, of perfection, but uh, the older we get and the more we, we study, we start to appreciate excellence than perfection in a way. What is musical excellence to you? I think... For me, the definition of um, excellence in music means to be able to touch the hearts of the audience. So uh, leaving them a strong impression uh, of the music. I mean, of course, positively, not negatively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, it, it, <laughs> yeah. Either, either way, yeah, it's... It uh, yeah, yeah. At least it's not boring, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I always have this um, this thinking since I started my studies in um, Germany that um, so long I managed to leave a good impression of the music that I perform to just one audience in the hall, I'm satisfied. So mm. uh, it doesn't matter if my performance have like, uh, misspeeches or mistakes, but uh, mm. being able to de deliver what I intended and convince um, the listener 
is uh, for me way more important than delivering a technically clean and mystic-free um, performance. Right. Yeah. Mm. The engagement and the connection between performers and listeners are very important. Yeah. Uh, because if there is no connection, then there's no music. Right? It's yeah. the same thing. When there's no audience, there's no music. Like right now, if, if we're <laughs> practicing in our <laughs> own rooms and stuff like that, yeah, it can be a little bit uh, sort of um, mind-numbing in a way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, uh, I think it's all uh, very good points. And now, how do you feel about your your current scope of work? And are there any things that uh, you have interest in or any sort of plans for the future? My current job scope mainly consists of teaching sectionals in uh, MOE schools, also mm. doing other teachings. And um, before this pandemic, uh, I do take up regular uh, freelance playing projects. Of course, we spoke a lot about this uh, when we meet. Um, and mm. I also do believe that um, we have to kind of like diversify our portfolio and also our source of income yeah. and times like this more so definitely uh, yeah and currently honestly speaking i haven't come up with anything in mind but i'm mm. definitely looking to explore more yeah and of course uh, some uh, interests that i would like to do is to hopefully organize small festivals or Bringing, bringing artists that I have met in Europe over mm. to help students and, of course, at the same time, learning more for myself. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, the sort of... Um, so, uh, probably sometimes we underestimate the network that we have developed when we are overseas. Right? Yeah. Because we feel that now we are halfway around the world. You know, how important or how much difference can can this context uh, make for us but uh, in terms of uh, say uh, trumpet teachers i mean or uh, for for you for example like trumpet teachers you, you've known uh, of obviously the the professor at uh, Detmo and of course you've met uh, Christian Strindstrup this uh, danish uh, trumpet guru yeah. who has writ yeah, written um uh, many books about the physiology and psychology of uh, playing uh, the instrument. And of course, he is basically right now the an interpreter of the Arno Jacobs uh, style of playing, right? This song and wind concept yeah. and things like that. Yeah, so definitely I think um, uh, now that we've been through all these uh, different experiences, definitely we can aim to kind of bring them uh, to Singapore. But of course, right now, it's not possible. Once yeah. again, a lot of things are not possible now. But, yeah. you know, certainly when, when things get better, we will probably see much more of these things happening. Yeah. 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 And I don't know how you feel about it. Um, recently, I've been listening to this episode uh, of this podcast, right? Uh, this other podcast called The Entrepreneurial Musician. So it, it's, I uh, forgot who the guest was uh, was for, for this episode. But uh, basically the guest said that you can try this exercise, which is name five adjectives to describe yourself as an artist. 
I tell you, I've been thinking almost like, I mean, not all day, but every day <laughs> I spend, yeah, I spend like, you know, like an hour trying to think. It's, it's so difficult. I haven't even like come up with one. All right. Yeah. So I think, yeah, for those of you who are listening or so, uh, maybe uh, Ray, you can try this out for yourself as well. If you can just think of like, yeah, five adjectives to describe you as an artist. And then from there, you can be informed of what type of art you'll be involved in. Right. Yeah, so interesting as well. And I think with that, you know, like I said, time flies and it's time for us to wrap this up, Ray. <laughs> yeah. So uh thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing your thoughts and experiences. I mean, uh, you know, you and I we speak so often. Yeah. I feel like any of our conversations could become an episode. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I it just needed to like press the record button. But thank you so much for coming on onto the show and being on record and just sharing your experiences and some of your thoughts about uh, the nature of our whole work and what we've been doing. Yeah. Thank you for having me as well. <laughs> yeah. Absolute pleasure. So uh, for all of you who are listening, uh, thank you for staying with us throughout this episode. And I will provide the links to the Trumpet Studio, TPT Ensemble, and some of the projects that Ray will be involved in for the next couple of months. And most importantly, thank you all for your attention. And with that, we will sign off on this episode of You Play A What. You have been listening to You Play A What, hosted by Vincent Tan. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. The theme music for the podcast is entitled Midnight Affairs and is composed by Algodas Matonis and recorded by Vincent Tan. Thank you so much for listening to You Play or What? Until next time. Thank you.